Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of Chat with myself, Brian Carney. This is the podcast that focuses on the experience of artists within the dance scene over the past 12 months. Big thank you for all your positive feedback from the first show that happened last week. And we have a very special guest today in the form of Australia's finest Factor B. Brendan, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on, mate. Um, management told me I'd be speaking to Joe Rogan, but you must be uh, the next best thing, mate. So thanks for having me. <laughs> baby steps, man. Baby steps. Yeah, so um, at the first show last week, had a lot of positive feedback. Uh, people seem to really enjoy it and they like to sort of hear sort of the, the, the background story behind behind what goes on in our lives on a day-to-day basis sure. and uh, it was sort of um i got a good few messages real personal messages of people and stuff they've gone through so it's yeah. it, it was it's great to know that the podcast has brought some sort of support or it's helped their mental health or anything like that in any kind of way yeah. so i'll leave my dms open on instagram if anyone wants to send over personal stories like that i'll get back to you no problem so i just want to say thank you to start the show for your uh, support of the show so far yeah, mate, I had a bit of a listen to you and Shugsy last week and um, it's a shame that there's no subtitles that you guys can put on because you guys speaking, uh, <laughs> two Irish guys going at each other, I, I tell I you what, I had to rewind a couple of parts, I didn't know what was saying, I mean, Shugs is all over the shop the best of times, but... <laughs> um, what about me? I'm, I'm, I'm okay to listen to him, okay, but fair enough about Shugs, I think I'm alright to understand, he's on a yeah. different level. <laughs> yeah, I love that bloke, but boy, I, I swear I had to rewind it a couple of times and go, oh, okay, that's what, what he said. Just like all the words like blend into each other, but that was really good, mate. Um, I mean, I obviously know Shugsy quite well, um, and I've been speaking to Shugsy a bit um, about some of those things that you guys were speaking about uh, outside of the podcast, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's it was good to hear it sort of in the flesh and for you guys to be you know, addressing some of the things that goes on because not everyone knows what's what it's like. Um, mm. They know the basics, you know, we're not touring, we're not playing, we're not working, but the effect that it has on um, the creative mind when you're literally just like locked in a studio, a dark studio, um, it has an effect on you. It has a, it certainly had an effect on me over the past 12 months. Um, and yeah, hearing you guys talk about it was just like, yeah, it was really enlightening and yeah, I'm glad to be on here today to share a few of my stories as well. And that's really good to hear, man, because when you're talking about over the last 12 months, let's, let's go back maybe just over 11 months and to John O'Callaghan's wedding at the end of February, which was the last, yeah. sort of, uh, the last sort of social gathering that I was at. It was the last time that I was around a, a vast number of people. Mm. in one setting and to, to think about how much has changed and what's happened over the past in that period of time is, is, is quite scary really so uh, yeah. I'd like to I'd like to sort of maybe discuss how you've dealt with it and how the past um, sort of 11-12 months have been for you yeah well when when was John's wedding it was it was last Feb- year in- it was the 29th of February 28th yeah, of February right. was the, yeah yeah so that was just before um, my Theatre of the Mind launch show in San Francisco. So I was that, and that was that wasn't my last show. Um, we played the last show I played was in Canada, actually, uh, in Montreal, and that was probably in March. So <laughs> halfway through March or whatever, it was starting to uh, Corona was starting to rear its head. And I remember thinking, oh, look, it's okay. We'll buckle down for three, four months. Um, 
and we should be able to get through it. And then maybe worst case scenario, we'll get to what August or something at the end of summer and um, things will be returning. So although I was kind of like, and over here in Amsterdam as well, like it, it was sort of like, I wouldn't say that it wasn't taken seriously, but the Dutch were very sort of like, look, our cases aren't that high. Um, it's not really affecting the country as it is in other places. So we sort of had a fairly normal summer here and all that. Um, and I just thought, look, worst case scenario, you sort of have this time and then you can come back and then the shows will be back and all that. But it quickly just kept getting more and more out of hand. And it was probably by, um, I'd say June, July is when I really started to feel the effects of um, not touring no financial stability, um, even though the Dutch government came out with some support, <coughs> excuse me, um, they didn't have support for everyone and you had to be on a certain tier. And, uh, yeah, so my support ran out in um, oh, April, I think, but I didn't get it paid until like a little way through the year, like till June. So all of a sudden you've got no shows, everything's falling off the calendar your finances, everything you've been planning for, you're knocking things back a month, now it'll be okay, now it'll be okay. All of a sudden, they sort of fall off the map. And then you're staring down the fact that you're like, oh, well, I'll just put all my mindset into my music. Next thing you know, you're writing all these tracks, you're finished, like, shit, all I want to do is play these things out. More shows are falling off the calendar, more shows are being knocked back. And I reckon I started to reach a point around July where I was like, right, I'm actually really starting to be affected um, mentally here. And I think there's definitely a fine line between mental health and just being sad and being affected by things that aren't great. And I would say probably for the first time in my life, I was that line was becoming a little bit blurred. Uh, we couldn't travel. We couldn't sort of get out of um, Amsterdam to do the sort of things that we wanted to do, me and my partner, that we, um, that we always sort of did to keep things fresh because living in Amsterdam, apartments are small and you can get sort of cabin fever pretty quickly. Um, so we decided that we just had to get out and it turned out that we were going to end up moving places around about that time anyway. So um, we took an opportunity to go and live in Croatia for I think it was the month of August. And had I not done that, I don't know where I would have been mentally or, or what would have happened. Um, it was never like, I was never in a, like a dangerous mindset or anything like, like that, which I know that some people have been. Um, but I was just like, I was just exhausted from doing nothing. I know that sounds really crazy, but it's oh, like... It makes sense, man. It makes sense. You know, you sort of get up with a purpose each day, especially as a music producer, and you go, right, I've got these shows lined up. I've got this exciting sort of um, vision of me standing in front of all these people and I'm going to make this track and get you out of bed and you do your exercise and you have your coffee and you get into the studio before you even put your pants on because you're so excited and then you start working away, whereas it was sort of like you get up and you'd be like, oh, back in the studio, I don't know where I'm going to play this stuff. And it all just snowballs into this like blur of like, okay, well, now I'm sort of losing the passion for making music because I've got so much of it. What am I going to do with it? When am I going to play it out next? And as soon as you lose touch of that, I feel like that's when you start introverting these emotions and these like mental things because you can't because obviously they're shutting all the bars and all the restaurants all this stuff so you can't go out and get like your social fix with your mates and all that so yeah thankfully we went to Croatia because it was open a few sketchy moments potentially getting there they were going to close the borders and stuff um 
But we got over there and ended up spending a month there before we decided to come back. And it was unbelievable. We had a little little place on, on the water, um, little budget place. I took my studio over with me because I was like, I'm going to write some music. And you know what? I probably opened up. I probably opened up Cubase maybe four or five times and I did write some stuff, some really good stuff that I'm still working on now. But when I was there and you're getting up to the water and the sun and like just a different environment, I think you mentally just disconnect a little bit with your music environment and your work. So it felt like a holiday to a point and that was a huge thing for me. Jesus, man, I have a list of topics in front of me here that I was going to discuss with you over maybe an hour. And I think you're after going through every single one of them in the space of four minutes there. So congratulations. Perfect, mate. Well, I've got some beers <laughs> to have, so I'll, I'll leave you to it, yeah? <laughs> no, but I, I, one of the inspirations for, for me doing this with show was I played a gig with you in Las Vegas in um, September 2019. And we were staying yes. in we were staying in the same hotel, and yeah. we were unable to get a late checkout from our room before we had to yeah. go back to the airport. And myself and yourself, we sat at the at the reception of the hotel or at the, in the lobby at the bar, or whatever. <laughs> um, we, the slot machines. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> we sat there sober and with no gambling um, addictions. Yeah. And just <laughs> we literally just talked for about two hours about yeah. literally everything possible, yeah. Yeah. and I, I just remember thinking back to myself, Jesus, I wish that I recorded that because that would have make and that was an yeah. amazing listen just to try and um, sort of yeah. process everything we talked about. Yeah, it was um, one of the it, first times that we'd sort of had an opportunity to just sit down outside. I mean. We'd obviously hung out in various other places, but that was obviously before John's wedding and stuff like that. And we caught up before shows and and spoken about all sorts sorts of stuff, but not really when you're just in an environment where it was like, right, we got two hours to kill here. We're in the lobby of the hotel, and then yeah, we sort of went down a rabbit hole of like life, a lot of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. like real a lot of life stuff, and <laughs> it was a good chat. It was good. Um, it's a shame that we. Um, <laughs> it's a shame that we didn't have longer in Vegas on that tour to go and enjoy some of the restaurants and the and the bars and stuff. But yeah, that was um yeah, it's good that that was an inspiration for this chat. Yeah, it was it was just it was really good to because it it wasn't necessarily something that I've really done with anyone else. Like we speak to my mates and stuff, but we we wouldn't really go that deep on life. You know what I mean? We sort yeah. of just we talk about the normal stuff and. Uh, football yeah. and all that sort of stuff but um yeah. just to sit down and chat i think we, we went into a lot of different things and the, the yeah. thing that i uh sort of noticed about you is you're you, you seem to have a lot of self-confidence mm. and just judging by how you were speaking and and your body language and this this is just stuff that i was picking up that you've 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 a lot of belief in yourself you, you would have a lot of confidence in yourself and mm. um you believe in what you're saying and how you're saying it and I'm just coming back to how the last 12 months have affected you mentally because back then sure. I, I wouldn't have felt that you were someone who would have um, experienced times of poor mental health. It seemed to me mm-hmm. you were a type of person who had sort of things in check and yeah. sort of knew their own mind and stuff. But So do you feel that the last 12 months have affected you whereas you've sort of got a little yeah. bit less belief in yourself or the world or anything like that? Really good question. Um, 
I, um, I would say, like, I come from, obviously come from, we spoke about, I come from a sales background and almost like an entrepreneurial sort of background in Australia. So over time, that's just, I guess, a, 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 I don't know what you call it, a trait or a, a, a positive that I've gathered. I, I have my mindset on something and then if I want to do it, it's something that I'm, you know, I put all my mind, uh, my mind and my energy into and I don't stop until I sort of, get to where I want to go. Obviously, there's all sorts of bumps in the road and all that sort sort of stuff that come with that. But that was that sort of mentality is what spawned me to move over to Amsterdam from Australia, like leave everything behind, leave my work behind, leave everything and start this journey. So without that confidence, I wouldn't have got to where I was. And now where I am now, I would say it's still there. It's just there's things that were thrown into the mix during COVID where Confidence comes from you have a goal and like you believe you're going to get there, but you have the tools in order to get yourself there and you somewhat know the landscape. And if you don't, then you learn about the landscape and then you adjust and you build and then you go. COVID and lockdowns, there's no blueprint for that. There's been no map. There's no preparation. There's no nothing. It's like pulling the rug out from under you. So what, no matter what plans I had or what goals I had or whatever, it was all just ripped out. So I almost, like, I almost had to reinvent ways to um, have confidence in myself and I don't think the confidence ever sort of um, has left me read the music stuff and what I want to achieve musically. It's just my confidence in like, I don't know how to put it, like just general life like not having not having like your pillars of where you want to go next in your own control has thrown me off does that sort of make sense so for someone who's always like so like i'm I'm so like i'm planned and, and then i get the confidence from the planning to have all of those pillars taken away i'm kind of like well shit if i don't have the pillars then how do i mentally keep pushing myself through the steps that i need to get to in order to keep succeeding in life or to keep, you know, feeling like I have a purpose or a journey or a goal or something along those lines. Okay. So uh, would you say you like surprises in like in general? In life? I think, I think most people do, but okay. Well, this is another way to look at it. Hasn't COVID been a surprise? Hasn't lockdown been a surprise? Hasn't um, not working for nearly a year been a surprise? So you don't really like surprises. You only like the surprises that you want. So this is this is where sort of inner resilience and how flexible you are as a human. And this is where this is what I think has. I'm trying to get the words out here without sounding stupid. This this has been the test of a lot of people over the past twelve months. Is how resilient they are and how flexible they are to the ever changing. Uh, situation yeah. that we're currently in so yeah. as yeah. you said you were talking about confidence and self-belief um i think confidence comes when you have uh an inner belief and if when you're constantly doing something and you know that you're doing it to the, the ability that you know but when th- that th- that when that thing is taken taken away so i'm talking about touring i'm talking about dj i'm talking about performing in front of a crowd when all that oh. stuff has started taken away it can, and that's probably exactly what has happened to you, where you, where that outlet for you to express yourself and to 
um, all that type of stuff. Because I know from watching you perform, I, I, I envy you sometimes this, the presence that you do have on stage because you really, really do get into it and you can see that. Yeah. Crowds love that. And I've spoken before about how, how I can sometimes feel very self-conscious when I'm playing. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. feel overly... Co- look, listen, I don't, wanna, I don't want to sound like I hate being on stage. I love DJing. I wouldn't change this job for anything else in the world. I wouldn't change performing for any other uh, job in the world. I, I believe that this is what I was meant to do and this is what I'm doing and I absolutely love it. But I, I, I'm just being honest in saying that there's sometimes that I get very self-conscious. But yeah, I don't think that sort of self-consciousness uh, applies to you because you always look like you're having so much fun. <laughs> but I think I've sort of spoke to you. I think I talked about this before. It could be due to the fact that you're you're relatively newer onto the scene yeah. uh, than say I am. So maybe I've spoken about it again in last week's show that maybe yeah. I felt yeah, a little bit burnt out and... Yeah. I needed to sort of recharge the batteries and come back with sort of a fresh impetus towards my yeah. job. But you do love it though, don't you? <laughs> yeah, of course. That. I absolutely froth on it. <laughs> it's, what, it's, it's where my music, it's all the inspiration for my music. It's, I mean, I know I've said this before, but the like people probably forget how much, like not people forget, but like I've literally left my whole entire family job, like safety, barrier of life and everything back home so if I didn't want to do this and enjoy it the, the way that I do then I wouldn't have even started with that like I wouldn't have even left Australia I was comfortable there living a great life no complaints going to all the trans shows coming to watch you play some of my tracks and making ridiculous bets about taking my clothes off if you play them but we can talk about that later <laughs> um so yeah but like it's it's I don't know. It's something that I a really a, a, something I thought about that you said last week. When you sometimes get a little bit um, afraid, like your USB is not going to work, or you have these thoughts about like something going wrong. I don't know whether it's because of the industry I worked in in sales. I used to do presentations to you know fifteen, twenty people sometimes, all big you know big business owners and stuff like like that. When I think about that happening, it does not phase me because if it happens, it's completely out of your control. Like if your USB breaks or a song breaks or whatever, I've seen some of the biggest artists on the biggest stages have their music cut out and there's a moment where everyone goes, hey, and then it's like, oh, and then they just restart and go again. And so when I think about that, that never crosses my mind in a, like a, a negative way. I just think if it happens, it happens. Yeah. And... I think it's because I'm lucky enough to have the experience of doing all these like presentations where it's literally you and you're talking and you're controlling the room and you're present, you know, you're doing a presentation on something or whatever. That sort of pressure for me was some of the most intense pressure that I've ever felt because not only am I in a room um, controlling, I'm asking all these people to invest like money into this idea that I've come at them with based on all this information and all that stuff. So they're looking at you like, do I trust this bloke? Um, do I want to give him my money? Is this campaign going to work? Are all these things coming up? So that for me is like a real pressure that that I felt in my life. And then when you guys were talking about that last week, I was thinking, I know it's like there's more people and it's a bigger stage and it's like, yeah, it can probably be a little bit more like scary if it does happen, but you can't control it. Like you never, you can't check your USB beforehand. You don't know if something's going to go wrong. 
for me, if it goes wrong, I've almost in my mind already just thought to myself, just throw my hands up and go, fuck, it's not my fault. It, it, it's part you know? of the phone, really, isn't it? It is. And that's how I see it. I literally see <laughs> after so many years on the other side of the decks in the crowd, absolutely loving all these artists that I've seen. I've always just imagined what it would be like to be on the fr- in front of the decks. And now that I'm there, I'm just like nothing can really phase me. I mean, sometimes you do get nervous before you go up on, in a, on a big show, like the home show in front of 10,000 people. Um, it's for subculture in, uh, in Melbourne, like a little bit before the show, like the day before, I was like shitting myself. I'm like, I'm playing after Key 4050 and before your debut of Carney. I'm like, what am I going to play? Like, what am I going to play that's going to fit into that sort of space? And then I just started going, well, everyone knows what I play, so I'm just going to play what I play. And then, luckily enough, I had my family there and the whole 10 of them showed up and everyone was pissing on backstage. And literally, I'm not even joking, it was about 10 minutes before I was supposed to go and play the biggest show of my life. I'm sitting there with a glass of whiskey with my dad talking about, like, uh, cars or something. (laughs) My brother comes in, taps me on the shoulder and goes, mate, you're on in 10 minutes. I was like, oh, fuck. How good is this? All right, everyone, let's go. <laughs> you know, perfect. That's the perfect preparation because you're not yeah. sort of waiting around on the stage. But I think what you're saying there, it, it's coming back to the self belief that you have in yourself, where you're wondering, all right, you're playing after key forty fifty, and then you're playing before me. But at the end of the day, you then you came back to having that belief in yourself and the music that you play. And obviously, you're from Melbourne and you're playing in your home city. So yeah, people know what you're going to play. So it, it is about having a, a belief and trusting in yourself and knowing yeah. that, that that music is, is going to work, yeah. you know? Well, it's part of being a DJ as well. Like, if you would have said to me, is that, you know, the 100% factor B sector you'd hear around the world, I'd say, no, I went a bit faster, I went a bit harder because that was what was required for that period of the night. So that was the that was the um, the the part of doing that show, which was the unknown. And that was the challenge of that. And I embraced that. So I made my set, you know, I had a possible 20 tracks that I was going to play in that hour. And then I just went up there. And once you, as you know, you drop your first track or two, you sort of start to go, well, okay, I'm getting the vibe of this now. You're watching maybe the artist before you. Yeah, that that was a, I suppose that's not the best example of like what you were saying about when you wait around for a show or you just there by yourself. Because like I wasn't jet lagged. I wasn't by myself. I wasn't like just got out of bed after four hours sleep and walking into a crazy environment where everyone's cooking it and you walk in sober and just, oh, just a water, thanks. And then you get in and you get up on stage. You're like, fuck, I'm going to lift here. That that Australian jet lag is something else. Jesus Christ. Get, get, getting one hour sleep before playing in front of 10,000 people is like a miracle because it doesn't just, just doesn't happen. You know? Yeah. It was, uh, I I actually, uh, I only found this out a few years ago, but when I was about five or six, I very nearly moved to Australia with my family. My family very nearly emigrated to Australia. I never oh, even wow. knew that until a couple Imagine of years ago. Imagine where you've been now, mate. Imagine where you've been now. Mate, if you were there now, there's no COVID there at the moment. Everyone's living the dream, mate. But look at us. We're locked up in these fucking dark Hell rooms up here in Europe. <laughs> I'd be working in sales with you. That's where it'd be. <laughs> We'd have our own company, mate. It'd be great, you know? Now, going back to your original question about the confidence and all that, sort of it's been a roller coaster ride, sort of riding that confidence train through COVID. I've had to invent a lot of things myself that um, fill the void of not being able to, you know, grow your confidence or be sort of 
in the happiest place you can be. Um, and that's been a, a super learning experience for me. And I can honestly say sitting here now after almost 10 or 11 months, um, I've come out, even though we're not out of it or anything like, like that, but mentally and um, I suppose having more understanding of where I want to be regardless of not being able to tour and do all, all the stuff that I'm over here for, I'm in a much better place with that because I've built some things which I'll be announcing in the next few weeks um, musically and stuff, which has really given me a new lease on um, the surprise that you, that you were talking yeah. about, you know, because the surprise catches you unaware by definition. So it takes you a while to sort of take in what's going on. All right, well, you know, I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't, I, I didn't really think financially I'd need to do this. I, I didn't think this, this and this. And to the point where I actually reversed um, – my year's worth of releases. I pulled most of my releases last year because I thought maybe at the end of the year we'd be out touring. So therefore I wanted to play some of these tracks that I've put my heart and soul into. I want to play them out live and big shows and stuff first. But again, another surprise, I suppose that's not happening. So I've sort of rechanneled that, that positive energy of the music into something else. And now I'm like, I'm super excited because I've got something to look forward to. I've got something, uh, a few things in the works at the moment. And that's been, yeah, that's been the biggest learning curve for me. And that's why I've probably got a bit more pep in my step now than I did probably six months ago. Yeah, I, th I think you're fairly um, similar with your mindset and stuff as, as I would be. And it's just over the, over the past 12 months and all that sort of stuff is the amount of fear that has been pumped out and the amount of psychological yeah. manipulation by the media, by the tech companies, by governments, by, by yeah. everyone, it's, it's frightening. And if you don't have a self-awareness of all that's going on, of how if you don't have sort of critical thinking and having the ability to think for yourself, to form your own opinions... And to be sort of brainwashed by everything that has happened and how it's portrayed, it can really, really affect you. So I think you're, you're the same as me. You'd be quite open-minded. Um, mm. You wouldn't believe everything that you see. You'd like to do your own research. <laughs> um, and that's... Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm trying to think here to, to get the words out correctly, but it just... The overwhelming um, emotion that I think that has been around in the past year is fear. Yeah. And, and coming back to the, the points you were making about the social media and all that yeah. stuff earlier on, like, uh, like we, have, we have prehistoric sort of brains and the current technology that's here now is far more intelligent than any human is capable of. And yeah. The tech companies are in control of a lot of people and a lot of mm. people aren't even aware of this. Yeah. And we're, we're, we'll, we'll go into the talking about the documentary, The Social Dilemma, which I discussed yeah. with, um, with Shugs last week. But some of the points from it and that I picked up on it is, is people in general are addicted to social validation. And I probably include yeah. myself in that, man. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I catch myself falling in. I'll go in and check my say my insights on Instagram or wherever, like, and I'll see that, oh, Jesus Christ, I've lost 30 followers in the last week. What have I done wrong? Yeah. 
and then for that split two seconds, I'm just like, fuck, what, how do I make people like me? And then I just go, here, now, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> it's a natural thing though, right? Like, everyone, it's the same, like, even when you're DJing or playing out, like, you want people to like what you're doing. Mm. It gives you confidence that you can't generate yourself. No, musically or whatever, you can control it to a certain point. And uh, a saying that I have up in my studio here on a board is you control the controllables. So if you can be in full control of everything that you can actually control, then taking that mindset into almost anything that we just talked about allows you to formulate or split between what is actually going to affect you and what can't. And if you can put some of those things into boxes of, well, I can't control that at all anyway, I can make the best music in the world, but if only... 50,000 people follow me for it, then I can't control that. So why overthink it? But social media, and aptly explained on the um, social dilemma, is all, it's like even just having that thought for a moment and getting into your Instagram or your Facebook or something, it just leads you down a dark rabbit hole of comparing yourself. Yeah. And comparison is one of the ultimate things that um, is, in my opinion, if you were to break it down, the biggest issue in society is everything we do, absolutely everything we do comes down to comparison. And it could be as simple as someone posting up a, a picture of their studio and you look at the speakers and you go, well, what are those ones compared to mine? Are they better than mine? Are they worse than mine? And that's on the absolute micro level that you probably wouldn't do and neither would I, but that's where it can start. Then it can evolve into uh, someone posting uh, a clip of a track and then you go, oh, well, you know, how's that track sounding? Does mine sound that good? Um, compared to what? Like how are you making these comparisons that aren't actually comparable? They're just comparisons in your mind. And we're fed it on the front of newspapers. Like I feel like even for, for females and, and women in the world at the moment, like the amount of comparison they have to deal with, with social influences and all that stuff, it blows my mind. It yeah. blows my mind the power of some of these, like, you know, what is stereotypically said hot women on Instagram or whatever. Like you think we've got a bad... What about the girls when they flick through and they see all these girls and their professional shoots, they're taking 500 photos just to get this one thing and they look fantastic and all that. And then, you know, the girls are going to deal with that on a daily basis. But in general, it's like that, that level of comparison that we get fed through Facebook, Instagram, whatever the hell you want to call it, is the main reason that everyone just is on it all the time. They want to know how they compare to the rest of the world. Yeah. And the, the, the main problem is that, when you're looking at someone's Instagram or looking at anyone's Facebook page or, or comparing yourself, you're comparing how you're feeling inside to how they're portraying themselves outwardly. Yeah. So you're comparing Correct. your inner world to this person's fake outer world. So yeah. here's where the, the divide comes. This is why you're feeling like shit. Um, yeah. it's, it's all nonsense. And yeah. I have some of the, the some of the stats from the social dilemma. So, if if anyone hasn't seen it, the social dilemma is a documentary that examines the various ways social media and social networking companies 
have manipulated human psychology to rewire the human brain and what it means for society in general. And here's a, here's a couple of stats that they're quite alarming. So if, if you have, say, if you have a young daughter or a younger brother or a younger sister, just keep, listen to these stats and just keep an eye out for them. There's been a 62% increase in hospitalizations for American females aged 15 to 19 and 189% increases in females aged 10 to 14 due to self-harm mm. beginning in 2010 to 2011. That's when the, these sort of apps and stuff went onto your phones. So It's because of them getting on it younger, yeah. isn't it? And it's being exposed to all these things that you never really got to um, be exposed to from our generation um, that they're now getting exposed to when they're like 12 or 13. Like, you know, you've, <laughs> you've got, you know, the good looking chick and the uh, whatever at school and she's basically the like that's the, you know, as far as you know about uh, the social status or whatever and your world is, you know, your neighbouring schools and your friends of um, friends and your circle of friends and all that. Now, these young girls and guys, whatever, 12, 13 years old, they're going on and seeing, like, influencers like, who is they, Kylie Jenner or whatever they are, who are worth, what, hundreds of millions of dollars each with plastic surgery and all this shit, and it's... <laughs> I can't imagine what it must be like for young people in today's... I feel so sorry for them, man. I really do have a lot of um, sympathy for to be a young person growing up now. It's absolutely horrible to... To, to be going through all this stuff with social media and then especially for kids now going to schools, wearing masks, seeing the fear in probably their parents' eyes, just the overwhelming sense of fear. It's horrible. Mm. I feel, I really do feel sorry for them. Yeah. Because um, I'm, just, I'm just glad that I grew up when I did and I, I sort of yeah. had my childhood and going to school before all this stuff was, uh, was around and I, I feel really grateful yeah. for that, that I was able to live my life normally and without this pressure because school and growing up and being a teenager, that could be difficult enough. But when you add in yeah. the, the pressures of all this stuff and yeah, the, the, it is the, like, that is the pressure of, of being a teenager, right? Yeah, and, and their the brains haven't developed. Your yeah. Your comparison when you're young is the biggest thing. Who's the king of the schoolyard? Who's the best footy player? Who's getting all the girls? Who's doing this, that or whatever? Who's old enough first to go on, blah, blah, buy booze or whatever, go to the strippers or whatever if you're a bloke. Now it's like the comparison is at school and then the comparison is even stronger at home because they can constantly just see what everyone's doing. And then I'm sure now it's crossed over from real life into school life in because of social media. You know, like social media, in my opinion, is, is driving more of the behaviour with young people than ever before. And... It bleeds into everything and bringing it back around to maybe music now, like I think I was, we were chatting in Vegas about this. You were like, who are the next young producers that are going to that are gonna come through in niche markets or niche genres like trance um, who are going to have the patience and going to have the time and the ability to actually care enough to want to learn how to make the music or do all that stuff, you know? Like there's there's a big thing with like EDM and like say the Martin Garrixes of this world, they give a lot of inspiration for young people to be like, oh, okay, well, I can be like that, even though that's like a whole nother level. But 
in the say the trance realm, like generally anyone who sort of comes through and from my own experience breaking through with trance, I mean, I'm not new to trance. I'm new in the sake of the last three or four years, but I've loved and listened to trance my entire life. Like I'm 20 years into listening to trance. I, I got into it when I was like 12 or 13 or something. So all of that love for the music and all that sort of stuff sort of built itself up to a point where I learned how to make music and do all that stuff because I didn't have all these other distractions and all these other things in my life. I just sort of liked what I liked. There was no social media and all that. But in today's society, if someone sees that something's too hard, and the statistics say this as well, that more people are like, as soon as things like in the sales industry, especially in Australia, there's a lot more people not going for sales jobs because you have to pick up the phone and do cold calls and no one wants to hear rejection anymore because they get enough of that self-loathing rejection when they see someone on Instagram or something that is doing something better than them and they're constantly with their FOMO and all that. There's a level of rejection that's constantly built into the social dilemma and now they are saying that there's less and less people wanting to put themselves into job types that require a lot of persistence, a lot of like knockbacks, uh, a lot of neg negativity and hard work. And what sort of world is that going to leave us in in 15, 20 years, you know? But at the same time, like, that's, that's always been said, oh, what's the world coming to? The world's changing. But the world is always changing, man. Like, that's true. The same thing happened when our parents were, were teenagers. All that stuff was happening. You always adapt and it always... I think like the way to look at it, we're always fucking gobshites, humans. Yeah. We're learning all the time. Like I look back at some of the stuff I did a month ago and I go, you're a fucking Egypt. What are you doing? <laughs> or a year ago or, or anything like that. Yeah. Like we're humans. We're constantly like, and you, t you try and think now and say 50 years when they, when they look back at how, at how everything has been handled over the past year, they're just going to go, what were they at? Yeah. But like that's humans just try and adapt as best they can, and they're learning all the time, yeah. and we're always just learning, learning, learning all the time. Yeah, of course, but this is probably the first time in human history, like you said with the stats earlier, that behavior is being drastically affected. Yeah, by, by external by sources. Technology. At such a young age. Yeah, by te te like, I'm not trying to sound like, uh, but like this was this was predicted in the Terminator in 1984 with. Favorite movie. The, the machines, <laughs> the machines are coming, man. They yeah. are, they're in control, and sort of this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am laughing about it in a way, but yeah. AI, artificial intelligence, and all, yeah. all the stuff that they're more intelligent than any human can possibly ever be, and all the yeah. all the, it's just going to get smarter and smarter, and yeah. unless well, you Elon have, Elon Musk of, has said that, hasn't he? Elon Musk has yeah. actually said, even though he's working with the AI stuff, he's like, it needs to be regulated now. Otherwise, it's going to get to a point where it's exploited and something fully fucking cooked could happen like Terminator. Yeah. You know, like it is actually possible, which is crazy. Also, on that, with all this stuff happening in the world, the US government has basically come out and started saying that there is, like they have actually announced that they have a full program um, investigating UFOs. And it's not making anywhere enough news as it should. And all this stuff is going on. I mean, they might have technology already, like that they've captured from crashed crafts or something. Who knows? 
Right, like, yeah, there's so many right, right. things going on in the world, but then it's, you know... Right, 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 right. Let, <clears throat> let's, let's go a little bit deeper, man. We're getting, we've been a little bit too serious. Let's, uh, let's go deeper in on some questions about the universe and what's out there and <laughs> stuff like this. I think we, we discussed this sort of stuff before, but um, do you believe in aliens? 100%. So do I. No if, question. If, 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 the, if the universe is, is apparently uh, infinite, how naive can anyone be to think that we are yeah. the only people here? There's probably people looking down laughing at us right now at what we're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I, I always like, like, I don't know if there is um, other life forms or whatever, but I'm not saying there's not. Yeah. I'm open to it, 100%. Well, I don't know if you follow this stuff. I actually have a great interest in this because I feel like in some warped out mindset that I've had, that if they, if proof of aliens is ex- like, or crafts and stuff is proven beyond doubt, it means that humans are not the most important thing in the universe. And shock horror, that's going to change everything because people are going to go, well, what's the point of governments? What's the point of all these things? And it's going to be a really interesting conversation. But this is what I'm saying. The, the US government has literally come out and said that they have been um, studying unidentified crafts. The footage is online and it's from the government. It's government footage. It was I just, by, I, I, I just I'm going to like Joe Rogan ter- territory here. Yeah, no, no, man. It's, just, I, <laughs> it's I, actually out there. Like I, it is there. I know, I know in general you need to have evidence of something to prove something, but yeah. when it comes to something like this, you can't just say there's not because if, yeah, if, if, it's, if it's infinite. And I think we talked about, like, um, do you believe in, say, reincarnation or anything like that? Because this, man, I think about this sometimes and it scares yeah. the shit out of me. I'm like, right, what happens when you die? And we, yeah. is that it or... Does the cycle never end, or yeah. what? Actually, do you ever have these thoughts, man? Because sometimes I do, and I find them quite scary. Because I started yeah. listening to stuff about quantum physics and all last year. <laughs> absolutely, I, it, it blew my mind, man. It, like there, yeah. I can't remember what it was about, but it was like uh, it's all about consciousness, and I can't remember the thing it was, but it was like, does anything truly exist until you're conscious of it? So say if you walk yeah. out of your house and you walk down the road, does your house actually exist until you turn around and sit yeah. and you bring it into your consciousness? Yeah. Oh man, it set me on this spiral of like, why did I listen to this? I'm not wired to listen to stuff like this. I should Dude. be listening to the easy stuff, not this type of stuff. But it can't blow your mind reading stuff like this, man, because it's a little bit unsettling now, but it's quite interesting as well. Let's be honest. Everyone, I'd be confident in saying everyone at some point has thought about what happens when you die, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it all black or do you just pop up in some other thing or you hear these stories and there's some Netflix documentaries on people that have clinically been dead and they say that they go into this, like, different parameter of space and time and they see themselves from outside their body and all that shit. No one knows. It's interesting to... to, to hear about and read about and stuff but 
I don't give it a lot of thought on a daily basis. I probably will when I'm a little bit older. And I think as our parents, I don't know, I've never met your parents if they're still around or, or whatever, but th- as they get older, I think I start to think about that a little bit more because it's a little bit more real. Um, but I don't know, if you start thinking about that on a daily basis, then... Oh, man, it's not daily, not daily at all. All their bristle. <laughs> I haven't thought about that one in a long time, but just sometimes yeah. these mad thoughts just come into my head sometimes, and it, it, it's just a little bit unsettling because. Do you I reckon think, that plays uh, into why you have these mad thoughts when you're playing? Like I don't know. I, I don't really know. I think, I think it, people in general try to distract themselves from the fact that every single one of us in life is going to die. Every single person you know and love and have ever loved and have ever known in your whole life is going to die, and I think people try to. Uh, try to run away from the fact that I, and I don't know why because it's yeah I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to sound like Elton John here but that's the circle of life man people <laughs> are born people die that's that's what yeah. it is and like you're there yeah. talking like today is my father's um we're recording this today it's my father's mm-hmm. fifth anniversary since he died right so um it's I've no problem speaking about this stuff I've yeah. I found it um I've gone through a very at times over the past five years, I've found things very, very difficult. I've gone through yeah. the various stages of grieving, and, and I have found it very tough. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into it um, to discuss this today in in length yeah. because I have a guest coming on um, in the next couple of weeks, and it's it's a topic sure. that I really want to go into and speak to because, yeah, especially with a with a year like this year, obviously a lot of people have gone through a lot of stuff. They've probably going through um, bereavements and grieving and stuff like that sure. and I'm not trying I'm not trying to make light of it and yeah. or anything like that I'm just I'm just giving my own opinion and yeah. it's just I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience over the past year there's, there's been things that have happened to me and just things that have gone through in general where like I spoke about last week as well whereas I feel like I have a new perspective on life where I just yeah. I just get on with it man where I just every day yeah. is a day and you just you just do what you can do you know well, it's a really good point. And again, going back to what you said at the start about the roller coaster and where I'm at now compared to where I was, it's the perspective of for the first probably six months, I was, okay, damage control, things are going to come good. And then I like to sort of have a joke about there was for us, me and uh, Ellie, my partner, there was pre-Croatia, post-Croatia, right? So pre-Croatia was leading up and we we're like, fuck, what's going on? How are we going to get through this? We need to get out of here, reset, whatever. When I was in Croatia, I shut my socials off, shut everything off for the month and basically set myself some mental tasks of like, right, when you come back to Amsterdam life, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Because you can't go back to what it was before that and how are you going to, and what things are you going to put in play to make sure that, you know, you don't fall back down that rabbit hole. And then so coming back from Croatia, I changed everything around. I went from everything being doom and gloom to I'm not going to waste this time. It's happening whether I like it or not and I can either sit here and sook about it and do whatever or I can continue to dig into my savings and just forget about it, you know, and just do what I can and make the most that I possibly can. And that has snowballed in a good sense to the point where, like I said, I've got these huge projects that I'm working on now. I've never been more inspired. I've never been more excited. I'm, I'm still like chomping at the bit to get out and play some shows and do that like everyone is but I can't 
and that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that now. I'm content with it and I'm making sure that I achieve something every day as small as it is or as big as it is and then have a goal to work to, towards. This project's going to be a great undertaking for my music. Um, it's uh, launching a whole new type of business for, for me, so revenue, income, all in a real positive light and it's given me a whole new lease of understanding of not wanting to waste the time. It is what it is and you can't change it. And I think Shugzi was mentioning this. It's like everyone's dying to get back out there, but you just kind of have to make the best of what the time is now. And I think, like you said at the start about the confidence thing, I've definitely got that confidence back of, right, this is something that I'm super proud of. This is something I'm really confident that um, people are going to enjoy if they enjoy what I make and all that. And that's just turned into all sorts of other things. I'm back doing like, Lots and lots of exercise, even though they shut the gyms, which is a, a, another topic we could talk about, exercise and health and well-being and, and all that stuff. But, like, the gyms are all shut here, but now, like, I'm back to running 100Ks a month and loving it. Like, I, I ran a, a 10K before this because I wanted to be switched on mentally. I wanted to be ready to chat and working on music beforehand and stuff, and it makes such a difference. And having those goals set in play, whereas before that, it was just like, okay, if I just eke my way through this day, then tomorrow will be better without okay. actually taking control of it. Whereas now <laughs> I've flipped that on its head and I'm happy to say I'm proud of myself of finding that because it took me a while to find it and it took some dark days and there's still some dark days. It's like I said before, like you're always going to have some dark days, like whether you're on top of the world or not. In fact, history would show that people who are more on top of the world have darker days. So I'm happy to sort of being right there in the, in the middle That's, of just being happy. This is how you grow. You grow from being challenged by going through these hard times. And like, I, I, yeah. I, I honestly feel like from, from everything that I've experienced and everything that's happened over the past 12 months, I don't want to jinx things, but I honestly feel like anything could happen and I'd be all right. I feel that my yeah. resilience and the... Like That's a huge energy. point. Yeah. If you can get through this, literally, as a musician, as a creative... This is the, as, most, this is the most challenging era of time that any of us alive will probably ever go through. And brother was saying that to the war. To the, the, this is like our war time. Now, you yeah. never compare people actually... We're not in war. We're at home in our fucking houses. So it's not, I'm not actually comparing it to people having to go to war. But it's like the war time. It's like complete uncertainty... Worlds are unstable, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there's huge financial implications to everyone, which is associated to those, this, those times. This is the type of point I want to come back to with all, all the, the terrible stuff that's happening over, over the past year. And it's all that we are hearing about. So we're being conditioned nonstop by the news, by the media, by social media. Yeah. They're condensing the world suffering into they're taking the world suffering condensing it and you're yeah. getting it pumped through your eyes into your ears yeah. non-stop and if you don't if you don't practice uh, like six a self-awareness and taking ownership of how you're responding to what's happening in your own life you can't control if people are dying in america yeah. australia all over the world like people die every single day there's nothing yeah. you can do about it the only thing you have you can do is to be self-aware. Take ownership yeah. of how you're responding to what's happening in your own life on a daily basis. You've yeah. no control over what happens in the world. You always have yeah. control about how you respond. And it's 
I want to use the word respond. Don't use. I don't want to use the word react because the react is a real. It's an inflex thing. Respond has a bit more. You're taking a breath and you're 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 assessing what you need to do to do it. So we need to. People need to understand their natural strengths. They need to increase their self awareness, and you need to increase your critical thinking and the ability to think for yourself. Because there's so much information being pumped out at the moment, man. Like. Oh, it's hectic. What's what's the answer then? Like, if you want to go a bit deeper on it, what is the answer to that? I mean, a lot of us, like we've discussed, like turning off social media seems to be a good start for most people. But I know I I have to go into social media overload. But like when I launch all this stuff that I'm going into, I'm going to have to go right back into it. I'm already starting to get some things moving or whatever. So I know I have to go back into it because it's the only way we can get things out at this point. I know, I know that I've been speaking about social media. I'm not saying it's, it's evil or anything like that. I'm, all I'm saying is it can have a very negative effect yeah. on your life or on your kids' lives or anyone. It, it can affect people badly. That's why I'm speaking about having a, surf, yeah. a self-awareness and just to be aware and take ownership of what you're doing with sure. So, like, don't get me wrong, like, uh, social media and platforms like Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, they're, they're massive parts of how I present myself yeah. in my work and stuff. So, I'm not, I'm, I'm not having a go, but yeah. I'm just saying to, to have a self-awareness, to don't let it consume you. And yeah. I feel that social media is a tool that you use and you should not let it use you. That's the, way, that's the way I would like to put it across. I'm not Amazing. having to go at it. It's, it's, yeah. it's brilliant what it does. It connects so many yeah. people over the world. It gives me a chance to put a set up and people from all over the world who I'll probably yeah. never meet in my life can, and can hear me and see me. And that's, that's brilliant. There's, there's some fantastic yeah. things to see with social media. Yeah. It's just the psychological impact it can have on you if yeah. you're not aware it's, of it. That's all. That's all. As yeah. humans, we're still learning how to actually use social media and I think now that it's been around for maybe what 10 years quite proper people are starting to see the effects both sides of it and people are more than ever now starting to take breaks and more than ever social media platforms are starting to build ways to keep you more engaged as per the social dilemma yeah because Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you because this is to do with you it it was when I was speaking to you in October you were after saying you were you were away in Croatia you deleted all your apps I yeah. was actually watching that documentary when you were talking to me and you just yeah. you, you were explaining to me about how you just took the decision to disconnect and it had a really profound effect on it, it had a really good impact on you on you mentally mm. and you need to understand that there's a, a connection between your mind and your body so it's, it's psychological and physiological as well so yeah. when you take a break it's just our brains aren't designed to, to take so much information in on a daily basis and like when, yeah. when, you're, when you're you don't realize how much information is being taken in when you're on your yeah. phone and all this all yeah. day so yeah take a little break like there's, there's a couple of little things i've started doing so say mm-hmm. at like nine o'clock at night i turn off my notifications on my whatsapp mm-hmm. i put my phone to the side and i don't go on it until say nine o'clock the next morning the only time I the only time I go on it before that is when I wake up in the morning and I sync my Fitbit, and me yeah. and you are in Fitbit challenges and stuff like that. And you're just after saying you're going on a ten k run. What steps are you on at this moment in time? Uh, before we go back into the serious stuff, 
Uh, I'm sitting on uh, just over 11,000. Well, exactly. Uh, 11,302. I'm on 11,371. <laughs> no way! <laughs> yeah, but you know what? The Fitbit can be a little bit misleading because I ran a 10K before and that would suggest that, I mean, that's obviously a lot of it, a stronger output. So yeah, I'm actually a running thing. What I, what's really helped me as well, just off topic a bit, got some boys here in Amsterdam. We've got like the Nike Run Group fit thing go, going on. Just that simple thing alone, seeing your other mates running and tallying up your monthly Ks gets you up, gets you up and about. Like we all get around each other and it's like, oh, he's just run a five, he's just run a seven, he's run a... And like it's little things like that which are really helping people. And that's another topic as well, how people have actually banded together during the pandemic and all that sort of stuff musicians and stuff like we've spoken a whole bunch of times but normally we just reserve our chatting to when we catch up on on tour and whatever so there's been a lot of real positives going back to what you were saying and going back to the social media side of it i i I couldn't agree more i think people now more than ever are learning to adapt and social media control them and as long as you put certain things in play that allow you to control the controllables, you will be able to get all the benefits of social media without having to have the dark side of it. And I've got a good mate here, um, Roman is his name, and we were sitting down the pub uh, for the short period of time in, uh, in summer called The Water Cunt. It's a great place here uh, on the water. And we were talking about social media. He's into advertising and, um, and marketing and doing... Um, uh, you know, creative and all that sort of stuff. So he deals with all these companies who are deeply involved with socials. And I was talking to him about this sort of stuff and he goes, look, we can talk about this all day, but factor, it's here. It's not fucking going anywhere. You just have to get used to it and you either adapt or you die. And no one had ever really put it that blunt to me before, even though deep down I knew that was the case, but you have this like natural instinct to fight it. Like, fuck you, Facebook, I'm not going to scroll through this or that or whatever, you know, like you're, you're the devil. And it was sort of this moment of like spin it on its head and use it for the best possible reasons that you can, be in control of it, know when to draw the line, stop looking at things that you, like we said about comparison, like because none of it makes sense. And even like the ASOT 1000 countdown was last night. That is a great example for people to get an understanding of how musicians are constantly um, thrown into these realms of comparison. How do you compare yourself to a, a, um, a countdown like that if you really saw yourself as, oh, I think I'm one of the best producers in the world or even just like tune of the year each year? And what if you don't get to where you want, want to be in all of those types of polls that come out each year? It's, it can be a really positive thing or it can be a super negative thing because if you don't achieve what you, like the emphasis that you place on those things, you can go down a real bad place. Yeah, well, I've, I've, had personal, I've had personal experience of that, man, because my track came num- because number two in 2017 all over again and yeah. I, was, I was gutted. Yeah. I was, you know. And yeah. it wasn't because I wanted to beat anyone, it's because I just I wanted to fucking win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's it. You're into football. You're a sports guy. Like you, you want to win. And I've got a sales background. I want, I want to win. Like I want to win. But when you first come into the industry, I had such a reality check of just like, dude, 
you want to be this, you want to be playing all these shows, you, you want your diary full, you want all these things happening for you all the time because you feel like you deserve it. But the truth is you don't deserve shit. You're just part of the system and you get what comes to you when it comes to you through hard work and everything else. So not to say that you didn't deserve the number one spot or anything like that, but if you place this emphasis on it, it's like you can't control that to a point. No, you know? I, I know I can't control it, but I, I'm just giving an honest thing where I was yeah. gutted that I didn't win it because I, yeah. I, it, like, that, that type of track is like a, it's a once in a lifetime until I probably do it again. Like so, yeah. if I ever will, I don't know whether I'll ever yeah. have a track yeah. like that again. You don't know. Yeah. Like those tracks don't Correct. come around too often. But I, I am a competitive person, man. Like yeah. we we've been doing like Zoom quizzes and stuff over the past year. Yeah. I want to I want to win every single one of them. Yeah, but that's, that's healthy. Just, that's how. That's just how I am. I'm a competitive yeah. person, and I want to win. Who likes yeah. losing? Yeah. Why would you want to lose? Well, there's some people who would rather not participate, so they don't have to face the loss, and that's a yeah. huge thing. And that's what I think social media projects a lot of that as well, which is another avenue you go down. Like with social media, no matter how good, no matter what happens, and again, going back to the polls. Like for a tune of the year, a track becomes top five or whatever. No one, two weeks later, the reality is no one remembers it. I have, I have a story that's going to sort of tie in with that point. But in the, in the first episode last week, I, I, <laughs> I gave you a story about how um, I reversed my car into my house. And I knew that was, <laughs> yeah. that's how I started my year. But I have something similar, but not as drastic. But So it was New Year's Day morning and the... Uh, we were bringing the dog for a walk, so we drove out to the beach, and we were literally only after leaving the car, and we were walking down, walking down the path, and the dog had to go to the toilet, but unfortunately, after he went to the toilet, he left a little bit around him, so it was a bit dirty, so I had to go back to the car to get some uh, toilet paper or some tissue that I had in the car to clean him. Yeah. So as we, as we were walking back, Walked down off the grass. I slipped, went flying, landed on my arse, and I was covered in muck, right? <laughs> so I had returned to my car to get some kitchen roll tissue that was in the boot of my car to clean the dog, and I ended up having to clean my own arse more than the dog. <laughs> but this, this ties in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it forward. Yeah. Ever since then, my tailbone, the, the bone above yeah. there has been sore. <laughs> and and right, this will all make sense. Trust me. Just just hang in there and let. let Waiting for the alien story to come in in a moment. No, just hang on in there. I promise you, this goes somewhere, right? So the Tuesday night before this podcast was going to go live on the Wednesday, and I woke up at like five o'clock in the morning, and I'd be sleeping pretty well before this so I was sort of sleeping through the night getting maybe seven eight hours but I woke up at five o'clock in the morning and I had the pain from when I fell and uh, this thought went into my head going why are you doing this podcast you're going to show yourself to be vulnerable mm. you can't do this and um, I couldn't go back to sleep so I was awake all day and then I don't drink caffeine anymore, so I usually get I always get decaf coffees. But I was so tired on the Wednesday morning that I made the mistake of um, uh, getting a coffee, and I was absolutely rattling, man, rattling all day, right? So I'm on edge, and this is the day that a very personal 
podcast where I'm speaking about stuff that I've never spoken before is going live. And I'm just like, why did I do it? You shouldn't have done this. You should have just keep this stuff to yourself. Don't tell anyone and all this sort of stuff. And then I woke up the, uh, the next night, similar story, but I slept a little bit better. But I woke up and I woke up just with this sense of anxiety going, oh no, what have I done? I've, I've, I've opened up too much here. Yeah. But then this sort of, this, this more rational, logical thought came into my head and it goes, no, you haven't. You're just speaking honestly about stuff that's personal. And then I started thinking that everything on Instagram, on social media, anything that I've put up before has always been to show how brilliant I am, how talented I am, how strong I am, how great I am. And this yeah. is the opposite of it. And the fact that I was doing something different, it scared me. Yeah. And once I sort of processed that thought, I felt a lot better. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, like, don't get me wrong. It is like, I'm, I really appreciate you coming on and speaking to you today about stuff that's present to you. But like, there's just, there's, there's so much pressure for everybody. Like I'm nearly 38 years of age and I still feel like I need to impress people all the time just to show people how great I am. So yeah. the fact that I'm coming on here and talking about this stuff, I've no problem showing people that I'm, I'm vulnerable, that I'm, I'm not a flawless person. I'm, I'm a human being with faults that's constantly working on stuff that Absolutely. struggles at times. And I, I think people, that's, that's what people want to hear. They want to hear real yeah. stuff. They want to hear the stories behind the, the shite, the yeah. music, all that type of yeah. stuff. So I think that's, I'm glad I did it, you know? Yeah, it's so true because I think we're definitely at a point now, this from my perspective, that social media, and we've talked about this, so going back to social media, it has become a place of like just it's a fabricated life that people like to post about because people want to show other people what they're missing out on because that's how we're sort of built. We want to look at it and go, right, this guy's a DJ. I wonder what that feels like. I want to follow him. I want to know more about him. I want to know all these things. And there's guys that I follow and I just see over the years it's getting more and more through lack of a better word, desperate, desperate to be more and more like, hey, this is me doing this. It's pretty miserable out there and it's okay to be miserable. Although no one wants to post stuff about being miserable, you know. <laughs> like we joked about the other day, <laughs> putting up a photo of the... <laughs> Whatever photo of the vacuum cleaner and just like here's my day, <laughs> here's my. I did, I, I did the Hilburn earlier on. I actually should have taken a video, but I, I have far better content to go up online. <laughs> no one gives a shit about no. you vacuuming, but that's what you're actually doing. So by you doing this podcast, where I'm go going to with this, you doing this podcast, and and the reason why I was well and truly up for coming on is because this just absolutely breaks down the social boundaries of like what we're supposed to be like on social media and look I would say that I put a lot of I wouldn't I put a lot of effort but like I always try to maintain a very um, level-headed approach when it comes to social media I don't think I have a single post of me like you know hey going for a run or doing this or whatever if it's interesting content to a point I'm well up for doing it but most of my social media stuff is based around the stuff that people really want to know about, which is like, what's it like on tour or a new track or, a, uh, you know, something I'm working on in the studio. And I like showing people that side because it's real. It's not me pretending to be something else. During COVID and all that, 
that's why it was so important for me to shut down because if I was to look at my phone and think, oh, shit, do these people, are they thinking about me? Like, where am I? What am I doing? Like, do I need to keep my content up so people stay more engaged so when things return they haven't forgotten about me? Like, fuck, they're going to forget about you for Christ's sakes. People are on their phone six, seven hours a day, you know, like one post, oh, you know, and these are the things that you've got to retrain yourself to think. And at the end of this all, I'm so proud that I haven't gone down that route because now there's almost like an expectation for people who have followed that sort of route with social media that they've constantly got to be putting things up each day. Now, the opposite side to that is if that's what helps them get through this time and if that's what makes them happy, then there's nothing wrong with that at all. So yeah, absolutely, I want to man. Who am I to judge anyone for anyone, yeah. anyone? I'm one person out of six billion people on the planet. My opinion yeah. matters no more than anyone else. I have exactly. no judgment towards anyone. It's important to know that. And this is what I mean by adapting and controlling it. So if I looked at subject A and I was like, why the fuck are you posting this stupid thing? Instead of me getting ang- anxious or annoyed about it, saying, mate, you're not happy. I know you've just had 10 shows cancelled or whatever or blah, blah, blah. Or I know you've just, you know, your wife's just lost her job or something like that. I know you're not happy. So what's with the whole blah, blah, blah. So the adaptation is, okay, remove yourself from that. You can control it. It's whatever that person's doing it for is obviously for a reason, whether it's positive to them or negative, it doesn't matter. But if it starts to affect the way you are and your mood or however you see it, then that's a problem. And that's where through COVID I've, and I would argue like the reason why you've done this podcast as well, we've come out the other side with a far better understanding and appreciation for the realness of what we're doing. And I think that's a super positive, man. I don't think you should second guess it at all. I think I know, well, by the sounds of it, you're doing more podcasts. I mean, I don't know how anyone's going to top this one, mate. This is going straight <laughs> to iTunes number one. There's no question. Um, mm. But you know what I mean? Like, there's no, this is, I mean, I wouldn't say this is everyone's cup of tea. People's attention spans probably won't last. This, this podcast is actually longer than one of your breakdowns at this time. I was going to say, mate, you have got the right audience for this podcast now, mate. We're starting to get into the breakdown territory. We're, we're almost at a drop of one, one of my tracks. So yeah, one of your tracks, yeah. yeah. One, one hour long breakdown, yeah. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're probably going to come to the conclusion that this is pretty much just like listening to one of my tracks, yeah. boring and ongoing. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, man, not at all. But that's good, mate. I think there's. Uh, I don't think a moment should go past where you don't think that doing something like this is positive. And I would encourage anyone else who's thinking about doing something like, like this. I spoke to you uh, before you launched this about um, I wanted to do something not quite like this but a music-based podcast where I would potentially have some guests on and we talk about, you know, stuff like we have, but personal things about the music, um, which I think people are really, really interested in these days. Everyone wants to know um, more stuff behind the music. There's a great documentary, it's like a uh, little docu-series that um, Twan does on some of the biggest tracks released. Yeah, they're really good. I like that. Yeah, it's good. All the guys and you learn a little bit more about them behind the scenes and even that's not only interesting to the people listening it's interesting to the producers finding out how ferry corston wrote the melody to uh out of the blue or what inspired armin to write communication like i sit there and eat that shit because it's like it's all there's no makeup there's no you know 25 foot stage or 100 foot stage around them and this giant phony thing it's just a dude sitting in a room going this is how I wrote this track. 
And he doesn't know the effect that it has on guys like myself, inspired a generation of people to make music. And just to see the rawness of the discussion, it's fucking brilliant. We had a chat on the phone last year and we started to discuss this. Like 2020 showed us how irrelevant and relevant we are at the same time. We're irrelevant <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Every single person is. Um, yeah. When you think about it, and I don't mean to sound like disparaging or, or anything like that, it's, it's supposed to be liberating. I mean, yeah. don't take things too seriously. Um, yeah. Things don't last forever, so make the most of it. But at the same time, like I have received a lot of messages from people saying, oh, your, your music and your sets have helped me get through these lockdowns yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And I really appreciate that. So yeah. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, you know. I had a, a little bit of a... Um, uh, I suppose the opposite side to the coin of that. Um, some friends of mine back home were actually saying, um, oh, you know, we, we've loved what you've done because I was really like, I don't have the setup here to be able to do some streams from home. And I was getting it all the time, oh, more streams, more this and that. And I ended up doing some really cool idea, getting some really cool ideas off the ground with the boats around Amsterdam and a morning session at um, the Rijks Museum. That was really fun and inspiring for me to do. It was like a challenge. It was cool. I was launching my alias, my new alias, Highlander. And it was like something really cool to do for um, these streams to put music out there for people. But once I sort of lost the ability to do that, the weather got shitter. Um, I went to Croatia for a month and all that. The inspiration for me to do that really just died off. I was like, it doesn't, it's not really getting me up out, up out of bed for it. I don't have the studio set up at home and I've just sort of left it for a while. And I was getting messages from people saying, hey, mate, you know, you should do some streams. You should do I'm like, no, 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 no. And they're like, but think about the effect that it has on other people. Like outside, like you have the ability to put a set together and people will love it and it might help them through the day. And that just twisted it all on my head for me and it's helped inspire what I'm going to be launching in a few weeks' time as well. But it really flipped it on its head and made me think about we're in a privileged position to have enough people that like what we do to give us a lifestyle where we can create and make music and do all this stuff. And at the start, Honest to God, mate, when you were doing your streams, I was like, oh, why are people doing streams from kitchens? Why are people doing streams from bedrooms? Like it's, I don't like, I get it, but will it keep going on? And by the end of it, I'm completely flipped on it. I'm like, everyone should be doing more streaming. Everyone should be doing whatever they can. If they want to do it, do it. Like don't overthink that people like that you have to do it. If you want to do it and you enjoy doing it, I mean, I know you don't enjoy probably doing streams in your kitchen as much as you enjoy playing in a club or a stadium, but that's the adaptation for the moment. I just, do you know what, man? The, the vinyl one I did, I absolutely loved that. That was yeah. brilliant. Loved it. Adapting again. Adapting to something that you enjoy and going deeper into that, I have rediscovered so much that I love about trance and about music in general. And when everyone was posting up their Spotify numbers and all that, I had the best year on Spotify I've ever had, but I didn't really care about sharing, you know, my listens and all that. What I shared was I discovered something like 180 something or more than that new bands on Spotify or new artists and stuff. I've just been going down rabbit holes, <coughs> all these progressive artists and all this stuff. And it's given me this whole new perspective and 
allowed me to use this time to grow my understanding of some of these artists out there that don't maybe get the recognition that they deserve and learning about them and reaching out to them and and bettering myself in the studio and, and all that sort, sort of stuff. So the opportunity is there. You just have to want to take it. And I can honestly say that I didn't feel that way at the start of lockdown and how it's all gone. And now it's opened up my eyes massively and I'm, I'm proud to say that I was wrong and I think people streaming and doing all this stuff is fucking brilliant because it's helping so many people out there and, yeah, I mean, fair play to you, you know, because you just bought some decks just for that set, right? Mm, I actually just bought a pair of uh, vinyls, the uh, turntables as well. So, do you, have, do you still have all of your old vinyls? No. They're, oh, I don't even know. They're in some of them are in my mate's gaffs. They could be, I don't know where they are, man. Long, long yeah. time ago now. But I have a, a good few there. But um, yeah. So there'll there be more vinyl sets and, and stuff. So just have to adapt, man. That's all we can do. Well, we're adapting. Hopefully we've given everyone a bit of an insight into And we've killed some time as well, which is good for a, a Friday. I've killed about three days here, man. <laughs> I'm just having a few frothies. I've finished a big week in the studio. I've been for my run. It's time for me to... Um, retire from the studio and walk seven metres into my lounge room where I spend most of my time anyway. So having a little bit of a break from everyday life and talking some real shit with you on here has been fun, man. Good man, good man. So uh, we've, we've gone through a lot of stuff here, I think. I don't think we really touched on half of the stuff I really wanted to discuss, but that's what this, <laughs> this, what this podcast is about, man. I, I don't want to set out. It's not a question-answer, question-answer. I just... I like to have it start somewhere and then the chat goes wherever it goes. So um, thank you very much for coming on today for the second episode of chat. And I just have have one more question before you go. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Uh, Probably my haircut at this stage. It's getting out of control. But I mean, do you mean like in a, just in general, like physically, mentally? Oh man, come on. You're overthinking this one. Just give a fucking answer. (laughs) Fucking hell, your man going all psychological and all. Oh. Do you want to know my one before and then you can answer yours? Yeah. My you feet. My feet are rotten. What have you done to them? Nothing. I have flat feet. <laughs> I swear to God, man, I look like a duck when my socks are off. Really? Yeah, they're rotten. Fucking hell. Okay, well, I don't know if I could... Um can I make a suggestion for you? And this will come back to one of your main points from this podcast. One of your main points was control the controllable. Yeah. And you said you wanted to change your hair, so let's leave it at that one, will we? <laughs> okay. You can control how your hair looks. <laughs> I will. All right, I'll make sure um, I send you a photo for you before your next podcast of my new haircut. Self-done. Please do, Please do man. That can be the cover image, Dan, yeah? <laughs> Perfect. All right, Brizzle, appreciate it, mate. Cheers, Brandy. Nice one, man. See you later. Bye. See ya. Bye.